the way that AA works, the way that all the spirituality works as I see it right now in the journey is that I'm probably not going to sit with God right now, right? But I am going to sit with you. And that AA triangle, it's God, ourselves, and another human being. And if I'm separate from you, I'm separate from God. And you want to know what separates me from you? I'll tell you, my ideas, my opinions, my resentments, my causes, my plans, my judgments, my fears, my past. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M., I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you're all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride, take what you want, and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. From Studio A here deep in the heart of Texas on this here episode number 229. That was the voice of Mr. Rich B. from Ocean City, Maryland that you heard at the beginning of this episode, and you will be hearing so much more from that gentleman in just a moment, but first things first, this episode is Coming out to you, being brought to you by Alex and Janice and Anna and Juliana and Kurt and Joshua, Todd, Terry and Audrey. So you ask yourself, if you're a new listener, what exactly did Alex and Anna and Janice and Juliana and Kurt and Joshua and Todd and Terry and Audrey do to... Get this acclamation. I like that word, acclamation. I think I'm using that right. But anyway, what did they do? Well, they went to our website, soberspeak.com. They made a little a contribution and they, we are so grateful for you. <laughs> I don't know. I just lost my train of thought. But anyway, thank you, Alex and Janice and Anna and Juliana and Kurt and Joshua, Todd, Terry, and Audrey. This episode is coming right out to youans. So, what do we have going on this week? Well, let me kind of go over a little of my last week with you. Um, it was interesting to some degree. I know we all have interesting weeks, but I happen to have a microphone in front of my mouth right now, so... <laughs> You could hear about some of mine. A few things happened. Number one, my daughter was driving her automobile home, and it stalled out on the tollway. 
and we couldn't figure out what was wrong. Turns out that the engine just basically went out. It's We're still trying to figure out exactly what went wrong, but nonetheless, it just quit working. And, 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 and that was okay, but because of the... She was on something called the tollway here in the Dallas area, and it's a... Uh, not just a traditional highway. I mean, obviously you pay tolls on it. And because it happened on the tollway, uh, they had to bring in some people to try to help her get us started, but it didn't get us started. So they had to use their tow truck people. So their tow truck people came out and they took it. And basically what it ended up doing uh, was they impounded the car. Now, I had never been through this situation before, but I felt like I was part of a cartel, a drug cartel, because of everything and all the hoops that we had to jump through in order to get that thing out. It took us a couple of days. Uh, they wouldn't just take a card over the phone. It, it, oh, it, it was just a... It was exhausting. To make a long story short, basically what you have to do is you have to you have to go to the place where they towed it, and then you have to call your tow company, which was through our insurance company, to come meet at the exact same time uh, with you. And then when they meet up with you, then you call the place where it's been impounded, and they say, we'll try our best to get there within an hour. It was such, uh, I, it, anyway, it was just not fun whatsoever, but we finally got it out of there. And uh, I, I guess my daughter's car is uh, uh, toast, but I, we're not sure yet. We're still trying to get that all figured out. And then we got, and by the way, I want to let you know, I'm going to tell you a couple things here to happen, but I, I probably, this is not a, a, a complaint. I, I'm... I'm looking at it from a recovery point of view. But anyway, we we had a big hailstorm here in Dallas recently. It tore up the screens and the windows and the roof and everything else like that. We got a little report back this week saying that we had about $35,000 worth of a hail damage. Now we have insurance and, you know, a lot of that's going to be covered and all that sort of stuff. But uh, it was still quite a bit of damage. I was not expecting that. Then the furnace in our house broke. Uh, I got some news at work also that was not um, just not the best. And I'll, I'll just leave it at that. But uh, it kind of worked on me a little bit. And, um, and I started thinking about this. And that is, yeah, these things are going on. But me and my family, we're doing fine, right? I mean, it's not pleasant. Nobody likes to deal with these things. But, you know, overall, we're healthy. Um, uh, I have a relationship with the God of my understanding. And I know that in the long run, he's taking care of me. And, you know, I'll put it this way. We have no Russian tanks coming down our streets right now. We uh, these are, I guess, what you call princess problems. And I've heard it said many times in meetings that I have problems in areas where I didn't even have areas before. And, and, and I like that. In other words, because I've been sober long enough and alive long enough now, I run into these issues. And, and the alternative is, 
is much worse. But nonetheless, that's a little bit of what's been going on with me this week. I heard, or excuse me, I read in the super secret Facebook group this week a post that my friend Rick R posted in the uh, Facebook group. And this is a quote from a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, a deceased member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Many of you are going to know his name. His name was Sandy Beach. And anyway, the quote that Rick put, put in there is, the big book is a treasure map. It is not the treasure. I love that. Let me say that again from Sandy Beach. The big book is a treasure map. It is not the treasure Thanks so much for posting that, Mr. Rick R. All right, now on to our speaker. Our speaker has been on a couple of times in the past. His name is Rich B, and he is from Ocean City, Maryland. This one we are entitling Revolutionary Change in Alcoholics Anonymous. We talk about changing your mind and seeing things from a different perspective. Like Chuck C. used to say, putting on a new pair of glasses. We talk about old ideas, the delusion of an alcoholic, and quote, my little plans and designs, unquote. Taking personal responsibility for our actions is another thing we discuss. Humility and what separates us from God we cover as well along with much, much more. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I present to you Mr. Rich B. And as usual, we will have plenty of listener feedback at the end of Rich's episode, or at the end of, uh, anyway, after this is all done. Thanks, bye. (laughs) Okay, everybody, so today we are sitting here with the one and only again, Mr. Rich B. So Rich B, why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself, give your sobriety date if you wish, and tell people where you are in this great land of ours. Where do you reside? Thanks, John. Good to see you and be with you again. Um, My name's Rich. I'm an alcoholic from Ocean City, Maryland. I was uh, lucky enough to have gotten the most amazing gift on August the 30 of 04 and uh, haven't had to take a drink or anything else that affects me from the neck up since that day. <laughs> from the neck up. And, and I've got to say this because I was back, I was, uh, you know, I got a lot of comments on your first two episodes, a, a lot. And uh, uh, I went back and I was listening to them and I said something to the effect of, you know, where do you, I mean, can you tell me a little bit about where your alcoholism came from? And you said, can, can you repeat it? You said something to the effect of, well, you know, I think mine was because I drank too much alcohol, basically. Right. <laughs> you, you got it. You got it. And I'll tell you, I think Bill Wilson might have thought, you know, had an inkling that that had something to do with it, too, because those first couple lines of step one in the 12 and 12 say that, you know, it seemed a shame that glass in hand, we warped our minds into such an obsession that only an act of providence, right, could restore us, to, which means I played a role in my own alcoholism, right? I wasn't struck alcohol. I, I like that. I like that level of, 
of personal accountability, right? I, I, I had some skin in this game. It didn't just happen to me. <laughs> it wasn't because my parents were rotten or whatever the case no. may be. It's because I drank too much alcohol. That's what you made me it. an alcoholic. <laughs> Um, and you know, I, I just want to cover this real quick. So you said you live, uh, and we talked about this a little la last time, but you live out in Ocean City, Maryland, which is a, a great area. Uh, and you said you were able to go out there and walk about four miles uh, up and down the uh, island today. Is that right? That is Ocean City is a little island. It's seven miles long by one mile wide at its widest point. We have a beautiful boardwalk that. Uh, Goes up and down part of the island, right on the ocean, looks over the sand and the ocean. It's two and a quarter miles. So if you walk up and back, you did four and a half miles. It's a great way. And of course, the sun for the West Coast, right? The sun rises on the east, sets in the west. So in the morning, it's a great way to watch the sunrise, talk to God and start the day. That's great. And we, so we did a couple of episodes with you oh, a few months back now or so. And the first one we recorded and you were in your office, which you're sitting in right now, I can tell. And then the other time you were in your surf shop. In fact, if you haven't uh, heard uh, Rich's first two episodes, I highly recommend you go back. And the first one was called um, Stupidly Smart in Alcoholics Anonymous. I think that's, I think I got that right. Pretty close. Pretty close. I think that's and, it. And then the second one was called surf into sobriety. And th so the reason I bring this up is because the second episode that we recorded was called surf into sobriety and you were actually recording out in your surf shop. So for people who didn't catch that last uh, episode, tell them a little bit about your surfing background. Oh, geez. It is, uh, such it's the bright spot of my life. It's it's the closest I ever feel to the higher power. It's a, a gift my father gave me before I can remember. It would be like me asking any random listener, please tell me about your experience learning to walk, right? Most people don't have a conscious memory of that. I don't remember ever not being able to surf. I don't remember learning how to surf. It's just been a part of my life. Um, forever. But I can tell you that when you're coming down the face of the, one of those waves and it's glassy and the waves starting to come over your head and the wind is blowing it back and you're dragging your hand down the face of the wave and you're looking ahead, there is no past, there is no future. You are completely in the moment connected with the higher power and it's about as good as it gets. Oh, I love it. I love it. Have you ever uh, had any major, uh, you know, you hear about surfers getting whacked and, you know, having these horrific injuries. Have you avoided that thus far? For the most part, we've all had a couple of hold downs and broken boards and broken leashes and swam longer than we've wanted to have to swim. Um, but for the most part, I've, I've made it through relatively unscathed. Oh, good. All right. Yes. Okay. So, Last the last couple times we went through your uh, like the, your story, kind of the first part was kind of before you got sober. The second part was after you got sober, and then you, you know I, I invited you back, and you know we I just wanted to get another session with you because I got such good comments about what you had provided us, and and I really enjoyed our time together. And so this time I think what we want to go ahead and cover is. Uh, what you call, what I've heard you refer to as changing your mind. So first of all, why don't we go ahead and set that up? When you say change your mind, what comes to, 
what, what comes to your thoughts? First would be the chapter, We Agnostics. We have an entire chapter in our book that asks us to do one thing as an alcoholic. Hey, do you think you could change your mind about whatever it is you think is going on out there in the universe, right? You know, could you just be a little bit open-minded, Rich, right? Could you expand what, whatever you think about God, it's not serving you very well, or you wouldn't come limping into Alcoholics Anonymous with your tail between your legs and your life being a disaster if you were the most connected individual, right, with the higher power. Um, and that's what a, a whole part of our book, and I think we get such a big chunk of our book trying to convince us to just change our mind, doesn't tell us what to think, right? That's what I also love about the book, Alcohol. Doesn't tell us what we should think, doesn't tell us what we could, right? It just goes, hey, maybe change your mind about whatever it is you do think that doesn't seem to be serving you well. And I think there's such a big chunk of the book devoted to that because it's the hardest thing for an alcoholic and it may be the hardest thing for a human being Right? Maybe we're not that unique for a human being to do is to just change their mind. Okay, so you're saying change your mind, and uh, kind of what's going through my head as you're you're saying that is uh, it's it's uh, uh, it, would you call it also kind of like changing your perspective or just seeing things in a different way and and uh, getting rid of old ideas, basically, right? You got it. You got it. Which, by the way, in the back of the book the spiritual appendix, right? When we get back there, it says that one of the definitions um, is of a spiritual awakening is simply a revolutionary change in our attitude and outlook on life, which I liked when I was new, because that doesn't mean I have to believe anything in particular. I don't have to see a bush catch fire, right? You're just asking me to change my attitude and my outlook on life. And I respond to you, well, wait a second, John, I may be in this prison cell, but damn it, I, I got here with my own ideas, right? No, no, I'm not changing the way I live life for anybody, right? We're, we are so resistant <laughs> right. to, to change the stupid way we live life. So do you remember when you came in, do you, do you, were you like uh, a sponge? Were you open? Were, did you fight it? What was your experience? Geez, this is a, um, I'm going to tell it because it just, you know, hit my heart after we prayed before this. this is a story I don't tell much, but I was, uh, I remember coming home from school. I don't know what grade I was in, um, second grade, third grade, I don't know. And some kids on the school bus were talking about God. And I came from a wonderful family for those that have not listened to the first couple episodes, a very middle, maybe even upper middle class uh, family lived on a horse farm and we had dinner every night at six o'clock as a family, my mother, my father, my little sister, who's three years, you know, younger than I, and, and we were sitting at dinner and I said, Hey dad, I, I heard about some kids were talking about God on the school bus today. Can you tell me about God? And my father said, Oh, well, you know, down in Baltimore city, son, things are rough down there and, and people are shooting each other and killing each other and nobody has much money. And I mean, it's, it's a, it's, it's a struggle out there, right? There's, it, every, every day and 
And God is an idea for people that don't have a very nice life, that when they die, there's going to be something better. And it gives people hope and it gives people something to look forward to. And it's really good for those poor people down in Baltimore City. But you won't ever have to worry about that. You come from a nice family. And I said, okay, thanks, Dad. And I went back to eating my chicken and string beans and carrots and mashed potatoes. And that was the last I ever thought about God until I got to Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm. Uh, so I believe that I had a tremendous gift as, I don't want to say misinformed. That was my father's life experience that he was sharing with me. Um, but I got, I got to come into Alcoholics Anonymous tabula rasa, right? A clean slate. I'm not a recovering anything. I hadn't had any bad experiences with any religions. I didn't have to get over any resentments. Um, I was a whiteboard, you know, ready for you guys to write on. So when you got, so, so are you saying then because of you had that clean slate that it, you really were like a sponge and, and once you found something that you could uh, believe in, so to speak, you were kind of all in. Yes. And I made a commitment by the time that you guys got me to step three, right? I'd become clear on a couple of things that life as I was living it, right? With my set of goals and ambitions and operating principles, right? The foundational elements upon which I live life that were taught to me by my father, who was an amazing businessman. He eventually, over my life, I was telling you about as a young man, he eventually became the president of 7-Up, the soft drink. I mean, he was no idiot, right? And, um, and then I got to go, thanks to those wonderful parents, I didn't love them or appreciate it. In fact, I, I got mad at them, but they sent me to these wonderful private schools. I eventually got to become educated by, you know, Jesuits in, in college. And I just, I just came to you guys um, with these principles that everyone else had bestowed upon me. I had never formed any on my own. They were handed to me, you know, by parents or other well-meaning people, right? And interestingly, in getting to work with, I don't know, you know lots of new alcoholics, when I am going through their spiritual resentments, and I just say this to give example, right? I have a problem with the Episcopalians because they don't pass the wafer out with the wine. They do it backwards. <laughs> and the Catholics do this wrong. There's too much standing and sitting. And I don't like this prayer. And they've got the wrong picture of Jesus in the back of the church. The beard <laughs> should look right. And I go, you know, all of them, all of them without a fault. I go, hey, when did you learn that? Who taught you that? And almost always it is something that that person learned before they were 15 years old. Wow, right? yeah. And yeah. I learned that in Sunday school. I learned that in synagogue. I learned that in bar mitzvah class, right? I learned that at Sunday school when we were coloring. How do you know God looks like that? Oh, well, and you're going to laugh, but they go, oh, it was in the coloring book when we were coloring <laughs> right. at Sunday school. That's how I know what God looks like. And now I have a problem with that. I don't think that that could possibly. And I go, well, I can't help but notice I'm sitting across from the table from a 62-year-old man. 
And you mean to tell me that you've been guided by a spiritual concept that you acquired that was bestowed upon you when you were nine? <laughs> In a coloring right? book. Yeah, right. And uh, I mean, it's fascinating. It, it's fascinating. So by the time you guys got me to step three, it was clear to me that some of these principles, which for me, uh, in some of the schools that, that I went to, right, it was things like get a good education, get a good job, make a bunch of money. Uh, when you make a bunch of money, you're going to be attractive to beautiful women. You're going to acquire a beautiful wife. You're going to have 2.5 children. You know, you're going to get a couple of cars and a beautiful house. You have a fence. Then, you know, you're going to get a boat out back. And then after you get the boat, you know, then you're going to retire. Uh, you know, and then and then here comes the big lie, right? Dot, dot, dot. And then you're going to be happy, right? Like once we get all these things in place, um, and then there's all the lower operating principles, right? Things like um, there's only so much out there, right? You got you got to get yours so that the other guy doesn't get it. I didn't know that that was called a scarcity mindset, right? That there's not enough for everybody and you got to screw the guy next to you in business. I mean, because everybody can't succeed. We know that, right? There's got to be winners and, and losers and you got to get the guy and, you know, you want to be mostly honest except for in business and then it's okay to, you know, do a little bit of lying and cheating because uh, that's how the world works. You know, right. and, and all of these things, these are operating principles that, that we were brought up with. Give me just a second here. So sure. we will be continuing our conversation with Rich B in just a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to Sober Speak. You can find us on the World Wide Web at SoberSpeak.com. You can also find the donate button on our website. You can use if and only if the spirit moves you. Please keep in mind, this is a podcast funded by you, the listeners. Uh, Super Speak is a self-supporting organization through our own contribution. All right. So as we are recording this right now, it is uh, between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And uh, as you know, uh, this is a time of year where people make resolutions and such like that. And, you know, they think about new beginnings and what am I going to be doing going into the new year and so on and so forth. When you think about new beginnings uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous and changing uh, your thought process and changing your mind, what kind of comes to mind for you? who you are or what your particular spiritual leanings are uh, this time of year um, certainly celebrates a new beginning a new year a new start um, out with the old in with the new uh, whatever it means to you it sure lines up with Alcoholics Anonymous that's for sure um, and what we are doing here in AA up to step three is step three is the greatest invitation that was ever given to me right you guys did a great job of going, hey, in steps one and two, you, you made very clear to me that the way that I had been living my life was not working, right? And then in step three, you said, would you like to try something new? Would you like to make a decision, you know, to cast away all of these old ideas because the result sucks? I mean, look at you, Rich, right? <laughs> How's it going? I mean, that's the great, that's the litmus test. And hey, hey, that you say to any new person, how's it going? <laughs> you know, can't help but notice you got nowhere to go for Christmas. You got warrants in a couple states. Your family wants nothing to do with you. You're, you know, 
you're you're 58 years old and, and you have nothing to show for working 80 hours a week your entire life, right? And uh, welcome to AA. You know, that's, welcome. How we, that's how we come in. And then step three goes, are you done, right? Are you done? And that because I will tell you that struggling, right? If anybody's new out there and feels like they're struggling, struggling is the earmark of a manager, right? That's how you know if you're in control of your life. If you are, you know, struggling is the earmark of a manager. And it struggling, was struggling. Oh, hold on. Just let me make sure I understand what you just said there. Struggling is the earmark of a manager. And, and do you look at, do you, oh, Okay, so I maybe I interrupted you, but that really kind of struck me right there. So uh, go a little bit deeper into that. If life feels like a struggle, right? If I'm banging my head into the wall, if I'm trying to make it happen, guess what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to manage my life, the people in it, the people around me, right? I'm a manager, right? And many of us can relate to that because they are managers at work or general managers or God forbid, regional managers, and you want to get even worse, talk to your buddy, you know, Matthew M that you have on, right? Become a territorial manager, right? Of like the East Coast, right? And then you got a whole lot of people that are, you know, worrying and not doing what you want and you want to bang heads together. And, you know, the more of the managing business, and I'm talking about my own life now, not just work life, but work life is a good analogy. In my own life, it's the more I catch myself struggling, the more I know I'm trying to manage my own life, right? Gotcha. Instead of turning it over to Alcoholics Anonymous and the care of these steps and God and everything it leads us to. And this, you know, that kind of reminds me of the piece where it talks about in the book where it says, and I've really had to kind of work on this for myself just because of work, how involved I get in it and, and just, you know, family and, and all kinds of stuff. So, but it says relax and take it easy. And so when I find my, I, I think there's, there's some, uh, advantage to struggling to, you know, somewhat, uh, but then, but when I find myself getting out of sorts, you know, I kind of have to go back to that relax and take it easy, John, relax and take it easy. You okay, got it. So we also talked or, or we didn't talk about it, uh, but I wanted to ask you about kind of humility in, in your viewpoint on six, uh, possibly seven and what you think about humility and, you know, why would, why do we even strive for that? What's the point of that within Alcoholics Anonymous? To me, and that's, you know, obviously what we're talking about as I see things right now is the purpose of step six and seven is to point out to me that perfect peace and ease, right? Whatever you like to call perfect peace and ease. Some people like to call that nirvana. Some people like to call it heaven. Some people like to call it the kingdom, right? The big book says who would like to enter the kingdom, right? Whatever you like to call perfect peace and ease, peace of mind, serenity, happiness, freedom from suffering, freedom from struggling, whatever you like to go. The purpose of step six and seven is for me to clue in that this is available to me and it's available to everyone and that I'm the reason that I'm struggling. I'm the reason that I'm separate from God. I'm the reason that I'm separate from perfect peace and ease. It's not God 
It's not my circumstances. It's nothing. It's just that I want to be the boss, right? And humility becomes something. This is out of the 12 and 12, right? It says that humility becomes something that we desire instead of something we must have, right? Why does it become something that I desire? Because I'm tired of being separate from God, right? And what is step six and seven, right? I'm looking for these defects. So what is a defect or a shortcoming? Anything that separates me from God. That's it. Right. It's not good. It's not bad necessarily. It just separates me from God. Right. Now, here's the kicker. And this is what we're having this whole conversation to get to that I would get excited about because I'm such an opinionated knucklehead. Right. And the way that AA works, the way that all the spirituality works, as I see it right now in the journey, is that I'm probably not going to sit with God right now. Right. But I am going to sit with you. And that AA triangle, it's God, ourselves and another human being. And if I'm separate from you, I'm separate from God. And you want to know what separates me from you? I'll tell you my ideas, my opinions, my resentments, my causes, my plans, my judgments, my fears, my past. And you brought up six and seven. You know what the 12 and 12 says? You know why I'm so scared to let go of these? Because what would become of me? I'd be the hole in the donut, right? Uh-huh. What would what would we be talking about, John? I'd be, I'd be a nobody. I'd be, you, you know what I'd be? I'd be at perfect peace and ease. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so scared of that, right? I'd be totally connected with the higher power. Right. And who that we're listening to right now doesn't have an opinion on COVID. Should we wear a mask or not a mask? Should we sit six feet apart? What shape should the AA meeting be in? Should we be in person or on Zoom? Are we being reckless or are we quitting on AA? Are we this? Are we that? Right. How should we act? Should you be vaccinated, double vaccinated, booster vaccinated, (laughs) not vaccinated? I mean, we could fight, 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 fight. Right. You know why? Because of my opinion. And you know what would happen if I got rid of those? We would just all be connected. Okay, so, uh, all right. So I'm trying to wrap my brain around this. I understand what you're saying, right? Obviously, I'm going to have opinions about things, right? God's gave us brain to use and all that sort of stuff. And I know that you have various opinions. I have various opinions as such. And that's, but you're not saying that the opinions, so to speak, or, or are you separate me from you? Is it just maybe when I'm dug in and see you as wrong, if you will? Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever had an opinion that you don't think is right? <laughs> Very few. <laughs> right. I mean, that's the definition of having an opinion. Usually for a guy that's built like me is I think that it's right. And when I could get to a place in six or seven or wherever it is in the journey that I realized my opinion is exactly that one knucklehead's view, you know, and it's not right. It's not wrong. And and I could get to a place where yours is equally as valid. You know what that's called? That's called humility. <laughs> now that I understand. Right? We're on right. equal footing now. 
right? Right, right, right. But very few people in in the game of life out there view opinions that way. And and I have a overwhelming need a lot of the time prior to AA to express my opinions, right? You guys right. finally taught me about restraint of pen and tongue. <coughs> Excuse me. Not every opinion that goes through my head needs to come out my mouth. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this is very true. Okay, so uh, um, we've also chatted a little bit before in the past about delusion, if you will, what her talks about delusion in the big book and wrestling satisfaction out of life. And talk to me a little bit about that. Well, I think the best thing that you take the person in your group, right? Whoever's listening, we all have the person in our group that we think is the most spiritual dude or dudette in the room, right? And you get them and take them outside to the AA lie detector, right? And you hook them up to the AA lie detector and you go, hey, do you think that your life would be better or worse if you won the $50 million pick four lottery tonight, right? And if super spiritual dude from your group said, you know, I don't think that that would make my life one bit better because... Happiness is based on our spiritual connection and nothing in the material world. You know, boop, 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 that thing would start going <laughs> off the Richter scale, right? Because we think that if certain things in our life were a certain way, either financially or with a particular relationship or with our children or with our parents or with a particular relative, um, if I could just get these key things in my life squared away, whatever that means to us, mm-hmm. life would be better, right? That's the big lo- life would be better when, right? It will be better when dot, 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 and go ahead and fill in the lie, the delusion. But we all have them is my point. I, yeah. I haven't met a human being yet that does not suffer under some degree of the delusion that our life would be better if, and then if that person's willing to share their list, we would hear what that would be. And it's a moving target as well. For example, um, uh, you know, there are times where I think if I had X amount of dollars saved up, whatever that is for anybody else, right? I would be good. I would be fine. Have you ever gone through something like that with uh, either sponsees or yourself? Well, of course. I I was certain that if I had a car that ran and and a girlfriend and a little bit of money in the bank, and at that point, I'd have told you five grand, right? If I had five grand in the bank account, a car that ran and a girlfriend, I'll be fine, right? Right. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to get to steps 10, 11, and 12 once I get those things squared away. You know, because who has time to be going on spiritual retreats and praying and meditating, right? <laughs> well, I'm trying to get, I don't even have a car, man. And you're talking to me about meditation time, right? <laughs> who can be messing around with stuff like that? You know, we'll get spiritual once I get a few things in place here. That's right. That's right. Uh, and uh, like you said, like, and like I said earlier, that, that target is always always moving. Uh, we've talked also a little bit in the past about that, you know, that line from the big book, which I actually love one of our 
In fact, one of the episodes uh, by a friend of mine named KCW is titled uh, My Little Plans and Designs. So, um, and, you know, and it's talked a lot about in the big book. Explain to me your experience about w- around my little plans and designs, what it means to you, what you've experienced with it in Alcoholics Anonymous. It seems to me that I operated under the principle that part of being a man was forging my own course through life and that you don't ask for help. You don't let anybody know that you don't know. Right. The only thing worse than not knowing is you knowing I don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I joke that we, we all like the Academy Awards and the Country Music Awards were on the other night. <clears throat> it was almost the way that I live life. You would have thought that there was an award ceremony when you die and go wherever we go. Right. And I'm just going to say heaven for the purposes of this example. And we go to heaven and there was going to be a group of like, angels or whatever and god's up there and i and they're all clap and they go oh welcome welcome to the annual right the annual you did it alone awards you know ladies and gentlemen <laughs> we would like to present rich with with the award for he never asked for help he did it alone he struggled <laughs> through 92 years on earth where we put him to just learn how to ask for help but he didn't do that ladies and gentlemen he did it alone Right. And I was going to get a ribbon or a medal or I don't know what I thought I was going to get. Right. <laughs> and of course, we're all laughing because it turns out there's no such stupid ceremony. There is no reward or award uh-huh. for doing life alone. And once I get that my plans, my designs, my way, my selfish, self centered way of going through life doesn't work, I'm willing to make the third step decision, which is to turn it all in and to realize there is no such thing for real as my life. I would like to think that there's a thing called my life, right? And inside of my life would be my plans, my designs, where I want to go, what I want to happen, you know, where I see my life going, all of that kind of, you know, my goals, my ambitions, Right. And guess what? If there is no such thing as my life, if I clue in by changing my mind, right, at some point, hey, this was an illusion that there's a thing called my life. None of it's been mine all along. Mm -hmm. I thought it was, but boy, was I wrong. And then I can just start playing the role I'm assigned. Things get a lot easier. There's one of my favorite sayings in AA is uh, God's been real good to me. He let hardly anything work out the way I had it planned. Mm, there you and go. And that has been very much the case in my life. So we we've most of the people who are going to be listening to this are are folks that uh, uh, well, I shouldn't say most. I, some of the people that are going to be listening to this are folks that have uh, they're considering Alcoholics Anonymous. They've thought about it. Um, uh, maybe they're at the beginning of a new year uh, and they're trying to get their life straight and right and on the right track and such. When you think about those folks uh, and something to kind of uh, leave them well, what what comes to mind for you, Rich? What, what kind of message do you want to get out to those listeners out there? If anybody's making that decision, I just invite you to you know ask yourself the rhetorical question that we've been joking about. And I'm not trying to be a you know, smart Alec, right, is how's it going, right? As we approach the holidays, is your life rich and full of people that love and want to be with you? Are you surrounded by loving, 
relationships and a whole bunch of people that just want you around and and love you? Or are you like I was my first couple Thanksgivings and Christmases looking at a bunch of destroyed relationships and nobody wanted me in their house or around during the holidays? And I spent that first Thanksgiving and Christmas in an AA clubhouse, right? Eating turkey in an AA clubhouse, clinging to my sobriety, right? And the reason that I was there, unbeknownst to me at that point, was because of how I'd been living life, my plans, my designs, and how they affected all of those around me. And I invite you to entertain the thought that maybe, just maybe, there's another way of living life, right? And find one of those people that are familiar with that way. And I'll give you the, you know, the spoiler is it's called the 12 steps, right? And you go, hey, I'm going to put away all my ways that I thought life was supposed to go down. And I'm just going to try these 12 steps, right? And then report to us, report back, because that's all AA is, is a spiritual experiment. We're inviting you to try the biggest experiment of your life to go, wow, I might've been wrong. I'm going to try these 12 steps and see what happens. And then report back. And what I found, I'm going to tell one last story and shut up, John. Because No, you're, you're fine. <clears throat> this goes back to the boardwalk that goes two miles, or two and a quarter miles up and two and a quarter miles back. You can walk that walk in the winter right now. In the summer, there will be hundreds of thousands of people, right? You have to go in and out and everybody's eating French fries and cotton candy and kids are laughing and crying and there's, there's an energy in the air. And in the winter, you could do that whole walk and not see another person. But uh, a little while ago, I was doing that walk and it was a cold winter time and uh, nobody's around, a little bit of frost on the sand and the white capping water just almost looked like ice out there. And uh, there's a drunk stumbling along the boardwalk and he Lo and behold, coming the other way is God. And the drunk says to God, please, 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 can you get me sober? And God says, well, sure. How much money do you have in your pocket? And the drunk reaches in and pulls out a couple of wrinkled up you know, dollars and change and hands it all over to God and all together, it, you know, totaled 10 bucks. Uh, but that was good enough for God. And God, boom, struck him sober. And the drunk was sober for the first time in years and felt amazing. Hadn't felt that good in years. And he starts walking away. And he doesn't get 10 steps away before he turns back to God and says, hey, God, is there any way I could get just a dollar or two of that back? Because I need to get gas for my car to get home. And God turns back and says, Gas for your car, your car. You didn't tell me you had a car. I'll take the keys. That's part of the price of your sobriety. And the drunk goes, geez. And he hands over the keys and he says, if I give you the keys to my car, I'm going to lose my job. Won't be able to take care of my family. God looks at him and says, job. You didn't tell me you had a job. I'll take the job. That's part of the price to be paid for your sobriety. And the drunk hands over the job. And God says, and this family you have, you didn't say you had a family. You got to turn over the family. It's part of the price of your sobriety. And then God looks at him as the drunk looks defeated and it turned it all over. And he said, I'll tell you what. If you remember that the job is my job, I'll let you work it for me. If you remember that car is my car, I'll let you drive it. 
if you remember that that family and those kids you have are my kids, I'll let you help me raise them. And the drunk walked away smiling and knew all was well. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's my wish for all of us is that we always remember what's really going on and not fall victim of that delusion. It's all his. Thank you so much, Rich. I so much appreciate that. Wonderful story. I'm going to close it out of here with page 164 from the big book. It says, abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge, like me, Rich, B, as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Once again, Rich, I really appreciate you coming on. I've enjoyed this so much. Thank you for having me. What a great thing to talk about, sobriety and connection to the higher power. That's right. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. As always, Mr. Rich B., thank you for stopping by the Sober Speak microphone and sharing your insights, thought, experience, strength, and hope. It was so much appreciated and I appreciated by me, and I know the audience will get much out of it as well. If you are new to the Sober Speak podcast, if you would, please go ahead and hit that subscribe or follow button on your device, whatever you're listening on, so you don't miss any of the new episodes. And if you are a longtime listener, as you are able, please pause your device and share this episode or the podcast with a friend or family member. It may be just what they need today. Now, on to a little bit of a listener feedback. Andrew R. writes in, he says, Hey, John, my name is Andrew R. I've been listening to your podcast on my commute from Northern California to the Portland area every week for the past three weeks or so. I just want to thank you for your service. I've been sober for a little over a year now, 15 months, and I was reluctant on listening to you at first, to be perfectly honest, but I stopped and thought about our message in NAA about principles before personalities, and I'm so glad I did because I've warmed up to you. Well, thank you, Andrew. I got it. I'm trying to read in between the lines there. I think you may have been a little put off by me in the beginning, but thank you for listening in. I appreciate it. He says, I am doing the steps for the first time right now, and I just completed my fifth step with my sponsor today. Good for you. I listened to the first episode with Marty C. My sponsor recommended listening to his Lion Step series online, which I did. I didn't even know he had something called that. Thank you very much, um, which I did. Now I'm actually doing the Lion Step series with Rena every Wednesday online. At any rate, while listening to Marty on your podcast about his experience with being molested as a child, that encouraged me to add that 
to to add to my own experience as a child to my four step grudge list and to share it with my sponsor today while doing my fifth step with him. Oh, good for you, Andrew. Once again, thank you for your service. Keep up the good work and fighting the good fight. Well, thank you, Andrew. So I'm so glad that uh you were able to listen to Marty and include something on your fifth step, that, or fourth and fifth step that needed to be included there. God bless you, my friend. Oh, here was a good one. I So uh, this is, uh, uh, I, I say it's a good one. It's an interesting one, at least for me. Um, this is somebody named Power Fob, and it's on YouTube. And they commented on uh, the podcast is not really about one of the speakers. This is more about me. It says, with respect, I'm completely intolerant of the introduction. He's talking about the introduction that I give there. Uh, and, and he says, it's a, it's very therapeutic community. I don't know what he means by that. It's very therapeutic community. Uh, Anyway, and then it goes on and he says, like, leave what you want at the curb. Where is that in my big book? So he's listened to the introduction and the part that I say, you know, leave what you want at the curb and is questioning where that is in his big book. And I don't think it's in there. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's not in there, but... You know, I just thought I'd go ahead and read this. <laughs> I think there's a lot of stuff that we probably say on this podcast that is not in the big book. But uh, anyway, uh, thanks for leaving your comments and being, you know, respectful about it. Kaylee writes in, and Kaylee is K-A-Y-L-I-E. She says, hi, John, I'm an alcoholic addict in recovery in the Dallas area. I am obsessed with the Sober Speak podcast show. I listen to it after my morning meditation, exclamation point. She says, I would love to be a part of the Facebook group. This is the email associated with my Facebook account. Well, Kaylee, as you know, I sent you an email out and just said, follow the directions in my email signature. Uh, and uh, anyway, we sent it out to her. Uh, if you are not in the super secret Facebook group and you'd like to be sin. No, no, no. Go to Facebook actually and look up Sober Speak Secret Group and ask for admission into that particular group and we will get you on in there. But Kaylee, I'm so glad that you wrote in. We are in the same area. Hopefully we run across each other eyeball to eyeball uh, at some point here in the near future. Alex writes in and he says, hey, John, or howdy, John, he says, I live in Addison, Texas. Oh, somebody else from my area. My home group is Dallas North. Yes, I'm very familiar with Dallas North. He says, I'm coming up on a year sobriety here in less than, than two short weeks. Yeehaw, Mr. Alex, that's great. He says, I can't remember exactly how I found Sober Speak. I think my, maybe my dad sent it to me before I joined AA. He was in Al-Anon before I joined AA. Oh, 
Well, that's cool. Alex's dad, if you're listening out there, thanks for spreading the word. And uh, I'm assuming it helped Alex in some form or fashion. Anyway, he says, uh, yesterday I had a slow day at work and decided to listen to all the Gary K episodes now for the fourth time. Well, God bless you, Alex. He says, I was sitting at my desk in my office job, remembering how the first time I listened to these episodes, I was just a few weeks sober biking to work for the night shift at a gas station. I love the podcast. It, it was truly a, in big capital letters, big capital letters, tremendous help for me in my first few months of sobriety and still is the day. Best regards, Alex Kay. Well, as you know, uh, Alex, I went ahead and sent that message on over to Mr. Gary Kay, and uh, hopefully you guys were able to uh, pick up some more conversation from there. But thank you for writing in. Marcos writes in and he says, Hey, John, I hope this note finds you and everybody in the Sober Speak, sober speak community well. Just a brief line to remind you that you and your amazing guests are listened to and appreciated from the Caribbean island of Puerto Rico. I couldn't be more grateful for finding this podcast in the fall of 2020. I haven't missed an episode ever since, and very often I save a month's worth of new episodes to listen to in a row during my monthly lawn mowing session under the Caribbean sun. Oh, that's great, Marcos. I love it. It definitely makes my work bearable and enjoyable. I always look forward to that monthly moment of inner peace, strength, hope, and sweat, of course. <laughs> He's got a big smiley face. He says, you play an important part of my recovery story nowadays, and although I know it's not always easy for you to keep up with the work putting all these episodes out, uh, I pray our higher power, I pray our higher power that you can keep doing this for many more years to come. Oh. In love and gratitude, Marcus R. Well, love and gratitude back out to you, Mr. Marcus R. in Puerto Rico. Uh, God bless you, my friend. And uh, keep on mowing, my friend. <laughs> you take care. Thanks for, your, thanks for all your kind words. Juliana writes in and she says, John, thank you for your service. Sober Speak is my go-to app to help me center myself. Well, that's pretty cool, Juliana. I like how you phrase that, and thank you so much. Marianne K. writes in, and the subject line is, once again, talking about Mr. Marty C. She says, I'm a recovering alcoholic, and today on my way to visit my mom in the hospital, I listened to, Marty's, to the Marty C. talk. It's an hour and a half trip to visit my mom, and I really enjoyed listening to your podcast. I enjoyed Marty so much that I listened to his talk again on the way home. I have almost 15 years in recovery, and I'm so grateful to my sponsor who got me working on the steps immediately. 
I do see many people at my meetings that don't sponsor anyone, while I keep getting more and more people asking me to sponsor them. I went to a meeting tonight and I shared about the tw- about step 12 and about the spiritual experience carrying the message. Thanks again for this podcast and getting so many great speakers for us to listen to. Mary Ann Kay from Bay City, Michigan. Well, Mary Ann Kay from Bay City, Michigan. Thank you so much. And I'm glad. Uh, thank you so much for your comments on Marty. Uh, you're right. He is very, uh, a special man. And I appreciate you writing in. Chad writes in. Chad with two D's for what it's worth. Uh, and I believe, yes. This is a little bit of a longer one, but it is the last one. He says, howdy, John, another howdy. He says, thank you for adding me to the super duper secret Facebook group. I look forward to the extra dose of hope via social media. I've heard a lot about it. I've heard a lot about the super secret Facebook group while listening to quote, the pod. He says, it was apparent to me that I couldn't control my alcohol consumption when I was a teenager. I was parentally appointed to my first outpatient program when I was 16 years old. I figured I just needed to get better at hiding it. But while I was still enrolled in that outpatient program, I flipped my mom's car end over end twice in a drunk driving accident. I broke my back and and in two vertebrae and almost died. Oh my goodness. He says, my parents decided that an outpatient program wouldn't be the best option or would be the best option. Alcoholism is a funny thing. I blame them, my parents, for several years following that decision for being inconsiderate of my welfare. You're right. Alcoholism is a funny thing. He says, it never occurred to me until until later that perhaps they were trying to save my life. Once I turned 21, I no longer had to rely. uh, I, I no longer had to rely on a of age quote person to get my alcohol. That's when I started to experience some of the things I heard about in meetings, being fired from jobs I really cared about, being kicked out of living situations I really liked, and losing relationships with people I loved. This was enough to convince me that I did not process alcohol like other people, but I still thought I could manage well if I just put my mind to it. How often have we heard that? I would get sober for a few months and then I would get drunk for whatever reason was relevant at the time. You know, she broke up with me, my friends are in town, etc. I drank because I couldn't handle my feelings, but I also drank because I wanted to feel my feelings. Hmm, that's a good way, but I've never thought about that. Since I was 24 when I went, when I found what is now my home group, the Olive Haines Sunday Night Stag Group of Alcoholics Anonymous. I saw living, living examples of the man I always wanted to be. I picked up a coffee commitment uh, at a Tuesday night big book study as well. You know, I just thought about this. You know, we have a lot of what, what, are, what are referred to as stag meetings in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I don't really hear that term too much anymore. I mean, I know what it means. 
uh, it's a you know it's a men's meeting. Uh, just men. We're stag. Isn't stag? Isn't that related to horses somehow? But anyway, I, I'm just I'm thinking out loud while I'm going through this. But nonetheless, my current sobriety date says Chad, is February 19th of 2019. I still have a hard time believing I have three years. I used to sit in meetings and hear the part of the preamble that says, quote, there are those two who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves, unquote. And I would think that's me for sure. I've had a lot of gifts, for which I am grateful for, for Alcoholics Anonymous. My sponsor says, quote, the miracle of AA is the company we get to keep, unquote. Hmm. I wholeheartedly agree. Personally, the greatest gift I've received is fatherhood. The hardest thing I've had to do is deal with these past three years is reconciling my relationship with my daughter's mother. I started listening to Sober Speak about eight months ago. I get to wear headphones at work, so I started at the beginning, and I'm currently on episode number 205. My recent favorites are Charlie P., Brian P., and Father Bill W. My all-time favorites are Bill C., Matthew M., and Angie B., I love the episode with Bill C. on practicing the presence of God. I think I relate to Matthew M. the most because of his his experience having an unexpected child. He had some some things that really hit home for me, and it has been a great reminder for me to never give up hope. Angie B. is currently my all-time favorite, though. It was great for me to hear our first step from Al-Anon. I was listening to a couple of months back and I was thinking to myself, when are we going to hear more about John M? It was it was only a few episodes later that you opened up about the absolute tragic loss of one of your family members. I have to tell you, John, my heart goes out to your family. I don't know if the perpetrator suffered from alcohol or drug addiction, but when you share that news, it had a profound impact on me. I'm getting better about listening to the listener feedback portion, which you're on right now, of your show. Honestly, I still skip it sometimes. <laughs> and I would do the same thing if it were me, Chad. Uh, but it's good for me to hear the perspective of other listeners. I just get a little antsy when you read super long-winded emails <laughs> like the one I'm writing to you right now. <laughs> and what people don't know is I had to take a few paragraphs out of this to kind of pare it down a little. <laughs> anyway, Chad says, I'm such a hypocrite. Maybe this will inspire me to listen to it more. <laughs> if you do, hello, future self, he says. Anyway, I want to commend you for the wonderful service you are providing AA as a whole. Sometimes I'll start an episode on my way to work, and your cheery voice comes through my car speakers, and it inspires me to do my best to make it a good day. You, John M., are a great example of rule number 62. Don't take yourself so damn serious, too damn seriously. 
Anyway, for those of you who don't know what Rule 62 is, it's in the 12 and 12. Uh, But nonetheless, he says, I appreciate the questions you asked the speakers. Your dedication to the Sober Speak podcast has provided me with what I consider to be one of AA's perhaps lesser known community treasures. Well, hopefully we'll change that, huh, Chad? Anyway, he says, thank you for helping me stay sober. One day, sometimes one episode at a time gratefully chad with two d's b all right everybody that wraps up another week of sober speak uh for those of you who are still listening in (laughs) i take this one week at a time uh hope to uh, be back next week Uh, may god bless you and keep you until then keep coming back It works if you work it. Love you guys. Thanks.